Welcome to Voices United, a congregational song podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Brody, and I'm delighted in this episode to visit with Rosa Candida Ramirez. Rosa is pastor at La Fuenta Ministries, an intercultural and intergenerational bilingual ministry in Pasadena, California. My interview with Rosa took place in Dallas, Texas in July 2019. Welcome, Rosa. Thank you. Rosa, could you start by talking a little bit about your earliest memories of worship and congregational singing? Uh, the first time, that would have to start when I was five. It was the first time I ever went to a Protestant church. I, I remember I, I was born into what we would call a holiday Catholic family. And I only remember several times going to, to church, but for quinceañeras and for weddings, specifically because I got to wear lipstick for the <laughs> first time. And I was about five years old when I went to the small immigrant um, Pentecostal church and I was blown away from what I thought was the band. Mm. Of course, Pentecostal music, there was dancing, there was singing, there was clapping, there was raising hands, there was crying, there was everything. Mm -hmm. And for someone that was not used to that, I was one, overwhelmed, but two, completely in awe. Mm. There was, um, yeah, there was just something about what I saw in what I thought was the band that deepened within me. It's this very clear notion of, I want that. Mm -hmm. um, and and so I was also mortified because I thought I had killed someone named Jesus uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a kid and was very confused because everyone kept calling each other sister and brother. So I kept looking for the oldest people there uh. to see if that was the real mom and the real dad of the congregation. So, um, But I think that was formative in, in the way that I was able to see just the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of, of God just moving through song where... Me as a five-year-old, I had no idea how to even name that or what that was, yeah. and and to see that in action, there was something that clearly that that had a physical response. I was just in shock and awe, and just my jaw dropped, just being like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> so that itself, just seeing they had a well, it was a praise and worship team, and just seeing them connected in music just resonated with some and brought something within me mm. that you know at that time I had no language for. Mm. So, That's great. yeah. I'm struck by um, when you were talking about how you came to lead music in church. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been struck by this in a number of other interviews that um, it, it, it's often out of a, there's a necessity. Yes. <laughs> and, and often in, in churches maybe that didn't have the resources that yeah. other churches would mm -hmm. have where what, what might be seen as a, um, a deficiency actually provided this space where you were able to explore that vocation um, and, and you might not have otherwise done that had that not. Yeah, been the no, no. I I think I would have been content as a like solo vocalist at, yeah. at different points. Um, and had this opportunity not extended itself, I I really don't think I would have said, "Hey guys, I'm gonna leave." <laughs> Especially you know two months after when you're barely learning chords, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know this is all chord charts that that the team had, and I had no idea how to transpose, and it it, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yes, out of out of a huge necessity, where I thought, okay. I'm I'm going to be faithful with with what I have, and yeah. it was a, a big test of patience from the team that I 
as a 15 year old, I had no leadership experience. Mm -hmm. And so I was leading adults into this, you know, in some ways was was saying, okay, I think we're headed in this direction. Right. Um, And even in which I didn't know how to work with transitions. I still I still, you know, as an adult now, um, I still struggle at times. But I think it was had it not been for that year. I think you're completely right. Mm -hmm. I, I would not have have jumped at this opportunity or had actually said, would have said yes, yeah, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. Um, tell us a little bit about your work as a, as a worship pastor at your church and, and maybe a little bit about your, your church as well. Uh, how was that community formed? What are some of the blessings and, and challenges of, of working in your setting? Yeah, so La Fuente Ministries, um, this is year five, was born when, like I said, I was in grad school. I had a colleague um, and his wife, uh, Marcos and Andrea, they actually, pretty funny story. I, I saw Marcos, I knew of, of, about him in undergrad because, um, or even before that in high school, uh, I belonged to the Church of the Nazarene. And for some reason, they had charged him with being uh, this camp director for interdistrict uh, Latino youth camp. Only one camp I ever went as a camper. And I was 16. I remember meeting him and the theme was fear factor and I was so embarrassed because my mom, you know, being mom, my mom, my number one <laughs> cheerleader, went up to him. The program was set, everything, and she said, Hermano Marcos, I think you should have my daughter be a part of your worship team. I was mortified because I was like, I, I, mom, I, I did not, yeah, I did not know this man. I did not know this team. I did not know anyone. And my mom is throwing me there. My daughter is gifted. My mom, my daughter has his voice. And I was extremely mortified. And he was so gracious with her. And, and I was like, hermana, thank you. But we're, we're, we're set. <laughs> so he remembers me from that. And I remember him from that. So I, I'd heard his voice throughout like the years. We're different. Um, we have district or assemblies or whatnot. And um, through Point Loma, I knew he had gone. And... When I saw him in seminary, it was he actually invited me to uh, his church in San Fernando, which I knew that they did bilingual worship there. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll go sometime, and never went. <laughs> never went. Um, and so a couple of, I think either a couple of years later, I ended up emailing him because I remembered, I, I just felt this need to be able to worship um, in a bilingual setting, and I said, Marcos, can I can I come visit? And he said, Actually, we're thinking of starting a ministry in Pasadena, and I was like, Great, let's have lunch. And um, so he, his wife, and I met, and just were talking about what what that would look like. And along the way, um, I was there the first time he preached the, uh, at this um, English congregation, where we're also a part of, and. It was, I felt very much at home to be with people who understood both my Latinidad and, like I said, my U.S. Americanness. And so we had people uh, come and who were interested in the ministry, and um, I, the, the pastoral team, in essence, was started to, to form. Mm. And one of the things that was always clear is that no one language would be above the other, yeah. um, that we would make a space for both, that we wouldn't have you know, those little um, headsets or whatnot to translate, but we would do it live, we would do it together, and that we knew that we had to be patient and that it would take time. Yeah. That, that's all really we knew. So we had, the, the team was forming, so my co-pastor and best friend now, uh, Jen, became part of it, and um, 
helped with strategy of like, okay, this is how we're going to do service or we're going to do this, that. So we, we started to think through and imagine and, and our team began, it has always been um, intercultural, where it's different people from different cultures. So of course, there's we're, we're finding snafus along the way of, oh, what, what do you mean when you say this? And, and it was um, finding out, oh, okay, we we have different perceptions of, of what blank means and how you know to follow through with such and such thing and. I'm second generation Latina, so my parents are immigrants who came from El Salvador in the 1980s. Uh, both Jen and Marcos are are what you would call 1.5ers, where they were born in their respective countries, but their adolescence and, and beyond was was here in the states. And so, and and slowly we began like the trio. We began to kind of re- recognize that oh, like. I feel more Latina in these circumstances, or they feel, you know, mm, and, and yeah. just even as ourselves as a team, we began to just kind of see what we meant when, you know, different things would occur and um, just just getting to know each other. And we actually all liked each other, and we still do um, <laughs> five years later. We were all friends, and I think that's what really helped establish this, this trust early mm. on. Mm. We would uh, hang out. Um, actually liked each other. <laughs> so this ministry was born out of what we called convivios. Mm-hmm. So convivio is to live with, and so out of the idea of convivencia, to do life together. And what we, we didn't have a church service. At that time, we only had once a month on Saturdays, we had potlucks or these convivios. Mm-hmm. And I would lead worship and whatnot, and then we would eat. Mm-hmm. We would have someone share testimony, and that's when we began to to look at each other and see okay we are one another we're the stewards of one another's stories so when you share something with me then i that's a living memory and i then am a keeper uh, of that memory and um transformations happened in, in those sacred spaces of there's something about the table and delicious food yeah, yeah. <laughs> And being together and sharing and being just vulnerable. There's so much vulnerability um, happening in those in those Saturday once a month Saturday. What we had services or not even services, but just times together, and and we felt like that wasn't enough. So we had a Sunday school, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to to be there because of my other obligations on Sunday mornings. But um, from there was a need of okay, we we need to have services together and. We began that, and people slowly started to, to integrate into these convivios, mm-hmm. and uh, the the community at large was saying, "Okay, we we need more than than just once a month on Saturdays, yeah. uh, or we need more than just the 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 like one hour together uh, for Sunday school." And then this is when the service began, and and like anything, we tried our best to imagine what it would look like, but then. Of course, as as we were all getting used to, okay, this is what it means to translate. This is what it means to to do this or that, um, or even okay, how what does an usher team look like, or you know the yeah, the, the yeah. logistics that they don't really teach in seminary. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the things that then we had to start not negotiating, but really being aware of of the different expectations or the different mm. even histories that we each had of, okay, in my church we did da 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 right? And me being, you know, and some of the team being uh, just admitting, I we never had that, so yeah. how do you do that? Yeah. Um, and so um, and from that, the I felt it was very much a repetition of how I was when I was 15. I, <laughs> the congregation had so much grace with me uh, going back and forth, so I had never led worship bilingually. Yeah. And um, 
had no idea how to even do that. And I said, okay, I'm just going to do it the way that we, Spanglish comes naturally, where I sometimes don't even realize when I begin in one in one language and I end in the other. And just, okay, we're going to do something similar. Um, and that was kind of the, the way, the, the visual that I, I had going back and forth. And um, sometimes would even forget because, you know, I'm thinking, I'm playing, I'm leading and all these things uh, to translate for myself. Or um, as I was playing, I was singing. Um, or I would forget, okay, what language did I just sing? Because <laughs> yeah. the lyrics are the same for the most part. And so, like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and the congregation had a lot of, of grace. Um, and because of, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that because of, of the time that we spent beforehand yeah. in these convivios, once a month, really getting to know each other, there was a sense of trust, yeah. of yeah. of. Rosa, you're leading us. We have no idea where you're going. You probably don't have any idea where you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're going. We're going to to we, we trust this yeah. because we we believe that this is good. And so, I I am so thankful for the trust that the team had, and and even you know just it's much more than just switching languages, but really tapping into this, these worldviews as as you're leading. Yeah. And so. Um, that in itself was transformative for me. And even today, I have a hard time not leading bilingually because it, it in essence, I'm, I'm thinking of, okay, who is excluded or how are yeah, we able to, yeah. to have everyone be able to feel included in the worship service? And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I began to, um, you know, reading scripture in Spanish and English uh, was interesting at times, like I said. Uh, <laughs> Uh, going back and forth, and and in some ways, and we were easing into it. We yeah. were learning for those first couple of years, and then became the imagination of okay, what does it mean for us to be together in their service? And this is where the we are connecting and growing and serving, mm-hmm. um, and, and and that's in and so we connect and, and worship, and we connect with one another. And on Sundays, we remind each other of just God's goodness and God's yeah. grace and yeah. God's mercy, and and remember is an act of, of worship, and so that's how we connect. Um, we grow in healthy relationships, and that's an emphasis that we have at La Fuente. Mm-hmm. Language can be a barrier, but we, we can work through that. Yeah. We can get creative mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And I've seen, I've seen some church members have no idea how to speak to one another, but they understand the language of café yeah. and pan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee and bread, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, okay. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and serving, serving one another, and um, by gestures and pointing and moments of, Oh, oh, that's what you meant. Okay, just yeah. embar- just humility. I think yeah. we were we've been able to grow in relationships, and then we serve in the barrio. We serve the neighborhood, and so mm-hmm. we're connected with different um, organizations or, or ministries surrounding Pasadena, um, mostly that are focused on immigration work. Mm-hmm. We're connected with the Immigration Resource Center of San Gabriel Valley. Uh, they're one of the only nonprofits in in San Gabriel Valley in LA that. Um, that provides little to no cost um, immigration services, mm-hmm. and this is um, was born out of a sister church, um, a Nazarene sister church. And so, um, yeah, for us to even say when okay, how are we going out into the community? How are we, for those of us who can, how are we praying with our feet? How are we calling our representatives? How are we? So this is just something that that we never sought to be you know, um, politically inclined, but this is something of, for following Jesus, then what does it mean for us to be able to be in solidarity physically, but then also advocate for one another and, and journey with yeah. one another. Yeah. And so it opened eyes to many of the people who never thought about immigration status mm. or, um, 
or even the the safety that some people feel to even go to the grocery store and and know that you you can come back um and maybe you know or people i'm hearing of stories of people like i said going to grocery stores and never coming back because ice was able to Mm -hmm. to capture them um or that's when you hear stories of you know ice or whatnot um banging on people's doors or the fear that is instilled when when people um get pulled over wondering am i am i gonna one have no car anymore or you know what's Mm -hmm. gonna happen or or am i gonna get you know tipped off to ice and and just just realities that as our pastoral team had to to really navigate um and and figure out so it's it's taken like i said it's a take it's taken a lot of work a lot of time we've been frustrated with one another um we've named that like i need a moment yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) we um and i think that's because like i said this transformative moments that we had at the table really really has sparked this imagination of, okay, we're in this. We are in this together. So when I say I, that I automatically means we. And so uh, with Convivio, so every month we end with Convivio, and every month we begin with the Lord's Table. So we have communion the first Sunday of every month, and then we end the month with with us. So we're bookending bookending the table Mm -hmm. (laughs) in different ways. And that's how we've been able to practice. And we have children, so we're intercultural, intergenerational, and bilingual. And we've talked a little bit about the bilingual reality and, and the intercultural uh, reality, and even within um, our Spanish speakers, like there's more more than than twenty. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's like thirty two, thirty four Latin American countries. Hmm. We have about fourteen of those represented wow. in wow. La Fuente. So even even you know we've had snafus of oh that, that's a bad word in my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my in my context. Oh okay, good good to know. Um, hearing different expressions of what do you mean i've never heard that expression mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and and even people from different states coming and you have people that have different immigration stories of both being different generations or yeah. you know how recently they came to the united states and um so bilingual um intercultural and intergenerational we have children help us with uh, the service and it's been beautiful to see children ser- help us serve communion yeah. once every month that we have five Sundays we have the children be a part of of the service even more so but we just name the gift of mm. having babies and being um, interrupted by yep. screaming toddlers and <laughs> and every every Sunday when 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 we do have you know we have a lot of, of babies right now it's just a reminder of hey it's no we're not gonna shame the mother and say go to the room over there but yeah. you know the, those cries are welcome because they remind yeah. us that there's life yes, and that this is yes. a gift to the congregation of this this you know no, those the screams might be loud, but that that's life wailing at us. Well, right? and, and so. it seems to me you, you're in just the way that your congregation functions. There's already this expectation of sort of disruption. Yes, that yes. you know, I, yeah. I know, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to miscommunicate something, or you yeah. will, and we'll yeah. have to figure that out. And so, in that setting, it seems the cry of the infant isn't as you know, it, it's just one more small disruption that's a normal part of mm-hmm. how our community functions. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like I said, that that development of trust, that uh, confianza is what we call, um, 
has allowed for people to even feel super safe and in those moments where mothers don't apologize of oh my god sorry my child is screaming their lungs out (laughs) but it's more of a yeah i'm so tired like do you want to do what hold (laughs) yes yes (laughs) the duty yes (laughs) um but yes we we welcome that disruption um and like i said i love i love how you, you put that yeah in every um aspect of the service where we have this disruption, but we also, one of the, the, the main things that we have is we wait on one another. And we have this, this idea of hospitality that, that when we come together to worship, it's a continuous, you know, that act of we are waiting for one another. None of us are in charge of the table, you know, yeah. of the Lord's table, but yet we are, we're here for one another. And how can we, we make that space? So even for people who are bilingual, it takes time to listen to the sermon in one language and then the other. And, and for some people at first it, it was, oh, they just take too long, right? I just want them to get to the point. But then the realization of, oh, I get to sit with this for just a couple seconds before the next point gets across. It almost gives you yeah. Time to sort of digest. Yeah, the yeah. And... and then for those um, who only speak one language, it's been an act of okay. I am in solidarity with those who don't speak the other language. Like they understand what I'm going through as yeah, well. Yeah. As I'm only be, might be able to speak Spanish, um, or I don't feel comfortable with my English, so I'm holding on to the Spanish. <laughs> but there's other people who are holding on to their English because they don't feel comfortable, and so it has created a lot of empathy and and yeah, just this idea of, of trust of okay, we we are all all uncomfortable in one way or another, and and so having to. To just be okay with that uncomfortability of, okay, we are both learning of one another, which I think once you hear the stories of, of faith um, and faithfulness amongst some of the songs of like, oh, Rosita, when I was a little girl, I remember hearing this song and when we sing it and when I hear one of my brothers who doesn't speak Spanish try to hear it, that I feel seen. Yeah. I feel, yeah. you know, and it's one of those where to be connecting with, especially the, the songs that molded us in our early stages of faith. I, I share, you know, coritos. And we, we have people that are not even Latinos, a part of, of La Fuente. We have several Armenian families. Mm. We have, um, and different types of Armenian, like one Turkish Armenian and Lebanese Armenian. We have um, well, a couple that is, he's um, half black and, and white, and yet his wife is, her family's from Hong Kong. Mm. And so just nothing to do with Spanish, but then also a lot of families that are inter- interracial and even individuals who are mixed who feel, oh, this is a, a safe place where I don't feel like I have to choose between yeah. one identity and yeah. the other, but yet both of them are good. Yeah. Um, and to hear some, even some of those people who, who don't speak the language um, and have no idea of, you know, being able to, to even try. And, and as they're even picking up of like, okay, Dios is fiel, God is faithful. Okay, you know, and, and some of those those things where they even try of cafecito, like I said, yeah. the coffee, cafecito, and, and even serving each other at coffee before the service or, or after service has been beautiful to see. So the interactions of gestures and and kind of awkward laughing moments. Yeah. Of, okay, um, and then when we see someone jumping into that conversation, how can all three of us then, if yeah. if I'm to be translator, like what is what is how can all three of us who, um, one of our congregants put it. <laughs> she said, you know, if it wasn't for La Fuente, I wouldn't be hanging out with any of you. Yeah. And and how beautiful it yeah. is that to yeah. have an image of a church of, if it wasn't for this body of believers that come together on Sundays, um, if it wasn't for us coming together and us saying we are united through Christ, um, 
body and blood and 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 the life that Christ gives, um, we wouldn't we wouldn't even be in one another's fears. Mm-hmm. Um, so just yeah, being united in that in that way is yeah. That's great. I'd I'd love to hear a little more about kind of the the practical issues around choosing music and yeah. Do you um, do you seek a certain balance? So it sounds like you have um, texts on the screen in both Spanish and mm-hmm. English. Yeah. Do you seek kind of a balance in which songs are predominantly led in one language or the other, or how does that work? Yeah, what I I both love and am scared of the creativity or the <laughs> the opportunities, right? Um, um, in in this work, and because I haven't really seen this model anywhere else, I feel like I feel you know uh, to completely you know be honest, like I'm making it up as I go sometimes. Yeah. Um, because we have people who are Spanish speakers and not I. One of the things that I try to do is balance and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of make sure that the whole service is 50-50. And that may look in certain ways where every every time we sing a song, it might not look the same way the next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Let's say we sing Holy, 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 Santo, Santo, Santo. I might do it completely in Spanish one Sunday, mm-hmm. another Sunday completely in English, or I might do verse one and two in Spanish, and you know, and and yeah. the and the the going back and forth. I have done it a couple times where I go back and forth between one chorus and one verse and this and that, and the congregation I has gotten a little lost at times, mm-hmm. and so I tend to try to to do at least two in one language, um, so that there's enough time to kind of sit with the language. Um, where two verses and a chorus, or for example, or a verse and a chorus of a song, or a verse and a refrain, and being able to, to do it in one. There's just some that, for example, songs that originate in Spanish. I have to get creative, and and I am not talented <laughs> in being able to kind of the syllo- the the amount of syllables that are in one language does not equate the same yep, in the other, yep. and so that back and forth can be tricky at times. But so I just if there's a song that is in Spanish and it's not translated into English, I just put the translation up, mm. and so people are able to kind of just read and, and sit with that, and, and then they try, they yeah. try, they you can figure out pretty quickly that oh okay this is a Spanish song, um, or this is a song in Spanish and. And um, and there are songs, for example, that the theology is completely different. Like there's hymns, um, that, for example, "It is well with my soul." In English, is "It is well with my soul," and in Spanish, it's "Alcance salvación," which means "I have." Um, it's something along the lines of "I have uh, received salvation." Uh-huh. Completely yeah, different yeah. songs. <laughs> um, that because of that, I actually just sing the song for the most part in in just Spanish. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just English, and um, and so for example, these songs where I just sing in English, that that means that I'm able to choose another song that's just in Spanish, yeah. for example, and the translations. There's a lot. There's a lot of songs. There's um, because now you have especially like my generation, that the wave of the children of the immigrants now or those who have grown up in the, in the United States now, like we're adults and so music is starting to come out and so mm-hmm. YouTubing and, and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. For example, there's certain hymns that I, there's, they are beautiful translations in both and yet how do I have the music in front of me? Yeah. So I've had to be, before this this new hymnal that came out, please get it, Jay, Santo, 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 <laughs> Holy, Holy, Holy. Before this hymnal came out, I I had to paste together, get the music, and actually on a PDF, like, write down the lyrics in Spanish on the side or in English on the side, or just paste together, you know, kind of, okay, verse one, you know, and just white out verse two or whatnot of a, a hymn or of a, of a different song or, um, and... 
and, and, and literally write type out or mm. write out mm. the, the next language. And so that in itself, when you have to create your own charts, um, because my, my musicians don't, don't read music, when you have to do that, it takes so much more time. Yeah. And it's much more exhausting um, in, in certain ways where it's like, how is this not possible? How is there no resource for this? So please, I, I encourage you all to keep asking, keep asking for bilingual resources. Mm -hmm. um, I would love for um, an institution or a body to be able to to come up with with more, um, and so and even for myself as as I'm creating liturgies or, or prayers and litanies, one of the things that I I focus on is is making sure that if I'm creating a prayer, writing it to the to the exact translation, but then even our extemporaneous prayers or whatnot sometimes are not the exact thing. So. Yeah. When we preach, for example, that's not a, it's not a complete translation, but we also look at preaching as co-preaching. Yeah. We're co-preaching in, in uh, the other language. And so sometimes a joke, like jokes are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it will not translate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the, the, the co-preacher will come up with a, a joke that's similar, right? <laughs> um, or something along the lines that makes sense yeah. for the other culture. So when you, yeah. in the preaching, um, even if the preacher is bilingual, they would preach in one language mm -hmm. and then somebody yes, else would Yes, yes. It's okay. a, co a commitment to just one language Great. Um, so that people are not kind of, it's not a not a ping pong kind of a trying to figure out, okay, who's speaking in Spanish yeah, or who's yeah. speaking in English, but having a designated person, yeah. yeah probably, I would think having even just the different timbre of a different voice mm -hmm. is going to allow you to, oh, this is the one that I yeah. sort of predominantly listen to, and then... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, and as, you know, I'm Church of the Nazarene, we've ordained women since day one. Woo! Um, <laughs> I myself in the I'm in the ordination process, uh, the Church of the Nazarene, and um, some of my, my co-pastor, Jen, is as well, and... We, we make sure that there's always a balance of female and males yeah. um, in, in the service. And of the females, as, as I'm the person who kind of gets to sign who does what during the service, women are not just doing announcements mm -hmm. and are not just doing, you know, there's, there's certain things that, you know, that we do. But then, okay, you lead prayers of the people then, or you. And so the, the back and forth of, okay, what does it mean for a male to start the service? What does it mean for a female? Mm -hmm. And we actually, like, I am an unmarried Latina, so I'm a single Latina, um, and what does it mean for the congregation to also see the different generations in within our yeah. our, our pastoral team? Where okay, there's people who are married, people who are single. Like we can work together, yeah. and this is a different like view of partnership in the way that we do life together. Where marriage is not not just a like a, it's not a status symbol or anything, yeah. but we're all different you know backgrounds and, and whatnot. Being able to to lead people and be together in the worship service and and so. Yeah, it, there's a lot of thought, a lot of intentionality, a lot of even just it's frustrating at times to be able to, to okay, what piece have I forgotten? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. what are the things that, 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 that I have not thought through? Or if you think of, you know, you think of the logistics for an event or whatnot, think of it all in English and all in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then so it can be exhausting. And, and one of the things that just naming that, naming yeah. how normal it is or yeah. naming um, for the team itself as we've thought through events or we've thought through the services, sometimes it'll come up in different ways that comfortability will hit our bodies, will hit like, oh, I have a headache or, oh, my stomach feels it or, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious. I might need to step out and, and walk yeah. away. And so it's the work of, okay, each each one of us, his own 
has in the pastoral team has has done our own therapy journey and i think that the journey of awareness even as we work with one another has helped us as we've also been attentive to the needs of the congregation yeah. making sure that okay we're not we're giving out of the overflow and not of what you know the scraps that we have mm. left mm. but yeah it, it, it's it's a uh, it sometimes feels like we're putting together a puzzle of sorts um i get excited mm. as much as i say it's frustrating <laughs> um i get excited because this is not something that everyone does yeah. um the imagination behind it of there's something beautiful when we're able to sing songs together pray together um just just be together and and being able to fully see one another yeah. in the fullness of who we are that I think is so transformative and 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 gives me hope for the future i I so admire um, the what I hear you describing as this um, sort of what you might say the 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 normal or the ordinary state of things is to not be content hmm. and to always be wondering what is this the right balance is this the, mm-hmm. because I think uh, I think I sometimes I think what I'm striving towards is yeah. to get to that point where I've got it figured out and then I can just kind of be content and relax yeah and yet I think that's not um, uh, maybe not the healthiest healthiest perspective where um, you're always asking what's what's new what's the what's a, a better way to do things mm-hmm. is what group is feeling uh, excluded by the way that we're doing things mm-hmm. and and, and be willing to live with that sort of messiness of not having achieved, you know, or not having gotten to that place. Uh, yeah, it's a continual wrestling with God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I think in some ways I am thankful that no service is just ordinary yeah. in that way. And a culture or a people. And even I, I, we take for granted even the way that we understand it, things. For example, when you go abroad... This is when you start seeing, oh, well, in the U.S. we do things this way, or <laughs> yeah. you know, or you go to a different state. Like I'm from California here in, in, in Texas right now with you. Oh, I'm missing palm trees. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, those are the yeah. things that that you know that you're you recognize, and then that accentuates everything in, yeah. in some ways. And and there's a mystery that happens. There's just, and so as a creative, for me, I just I get excited mm-hmm. when when those moments happen of uh, those creative sparks of how is this spurring on the imagination mm-hmm. of of our congregants and even as a pastoral team, how is that um, spurring our imagination? And so as we also not only advocate for like our for our brothers and sisters via immigration, but then also are in solidarity, for example, with our black brothers and sisters. And the fact that many of them don't make it home because of police brutality or mass incarceration that happens to our, our, our brown and black young men and women. And so being in solid, yeah, it, 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 there's a, there's a different awareness that awareness, when you have that awareness, you cannot you cannot ignore what's happening. And because of that, of course, it's exhausting at times of, Lord, where it feels, you know, the question is, Lord, where are you? But then moments like this is, is when we're in, in connection with one another and in solidarity that we can say no, but things don't have to look this way. Things don't have to be this way or don't don't have to stay in this state of, of what this, you know, X, Y, or Z looks like. So, yeah, there's it's a lot of a lot of hope. Hmm. So. Well, Rosa, it's been such a joy getting to spend this time with you. Thank you for yeah. taking the time. And I want to finish with five questions that I close each interview with. Okay. <laughs> um, the first is, which song or hymn has most shaped your faith? 
I would say throw you a corito. (laughs) One of of the ones that especially has touched me right now um, as, you know, the political climate and uh, and as a, you know, child of immigrants has been um, amémonos de corazón, like let us love one another with Mm. the fullness of our hearts. Um, The translation is a little off there in the title, but that's been one that I... I hold on to like if we get just Genesis right, Genesis one, yeah. <laughs> if we just get that right. <laughs> I believe it's like verse twenty twenty six or something mm-hmm. like um, that. We're made, and that every single person is made in the image of God. Like that has just inspired my worship. That has just also been one that has helped me wrestle with God. Of mm-hmm. you know, God, you know the like let us love one another and not just say it but live it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one that has challenged me that. Sometimes when I don't agree with someone, just keep telling myself, they're made in the image of God. (laughs) (laughs) They're made in the image of God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I Mm. think that's one of the, um, yeah, one that has shaped my faith. Mm. Which uh, hymn or song do you turn to for comfort? There is another corito. Um, tu, fideli- tu fidelidad, um, tu fidelidad is grande. So when we had the the hymnal showcase here at the Hymn Society conference, and we had the the Santo 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 or the Holy 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 bilingual hymnal come out, just to hear everyone sing it, I, I was crying. I was in tears just to hear everyone say. God, your faithfulness is great. There's none mm. like you, oh blessed Lord. Great is your faithfulness. And even the the, I would say the the hymn, great is great is um, thy faithfulness. I think, is another one that has that I've turned to in moments of, God. When I ask God, where are you? Mm. Where are you in the midst of of everything? Because, I I am. I'm lost, or I'm, yeah. you know, I'm feeling the feels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, some that I've turned to for comfort. And so, and like I said, the corito and, and, and the hymn have been ones that I've I've definitely turned to in those moments. So, what is your favorite piece of music? That's I was wrestling with that question. <laughs> I I would say that it depends on the day and the time. <laughs> I, for my talk, had actually talked about or, or was focusing on the on Yo-Yo Ma's um, rendition of the Bach uh, cello suites. Yeah. And there's something about that. I mean, of course, I, as a vocalist, I'm the worst. I cannot remember words and lyrics <laughs> for the life of me. Um, and so I connect more with the instruments. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something about the cello that just... Mm-hmm. That's been that's been my act of worship. <laughs> uh, when there are no words, just to go go listen to that. And there's something about the way Yo-Yo Ma plays it, yeah. um, the Bachtel Suites, that I transcends language, transcends just everything, just hits the the pure heart and soul <laughs> of a person. We are able to feel both the beauty and the angst, everything in between. Mm-hmm. That's been something that I I've loved. I also, yeah, have been inspired. Um, by by different Latino worship leaders, so I, you know in English they have CCM, in Spanish it's it's something similar. But a song I would say that's not a hymn would be, and I know that that wasn't a hymn, but would be Christine de Clario's uh, song uh, Santo Espíritu Ven, mm-hmm. which means Holy Spirit come, and it just talks about the Holy Spirit being the life, the giver of life, the the one who who breathes life on our dry bones. Mm-hmm. In in the song it says, uh, Señor te pedimos ven otra vez. We ask Lord. That you come and move again, and that's mm. one of the songs that has been on my on my worship rotation, <laughs> and, I, and I just I'm obsessed over in love. <laughs> so yeah. That's great. 
What book, uh, other than the Bible, has most shaped your faith or influenced your vocation? I think Mañana by Justo González. Mm -hmm. There's something when I I read (laughs) Mañana, I had a mini existential crisis. (laughs) Um, And just, it was the first time that I had a book really be able to... That and Latina Evangelicas is another book, but Mañana did something where it, it named my reality in such a way that um, that Justo González is such a, a amazing theologian and writer, mm-hmm. and he, I felt like in some ways someone had gotten in my head and wrote it out, and and not me not knowing that that had happened, and and, and I was like yes yes like every single time I would cry through it, I'd be met all the feels mm-hmm. as I was reading that book, and there's a point where I went to one of my co-pastors Marcos his office, and I was crying you know I said Marcos I don't know if I can lead worship anymore and he was like what okay explain to me back up and I said how can I lead worship to where we're all exiled we're a people of ex like we've been exiled like what does this mean (laughs) we are homeless um and in that and and that you know Justo unpacks uh, Dr. Gonzalez uh, unpacks that even more so I think it was transformative of even being able to name um, the realities that my parents have gone through in in such a way that I have always felt my body has felt but yet sometimes I have not had the language for it so I think that really had me have a come to Jesus moment (laughs) on my own so that was a transformative book and then also something about Letters to a Young Poet mm. uh, by Rainer Maria Rilke. Just the way that, that, just, yeah, that book was another one that, that brought me to an existential crisis and, <laughs> um, and helped me wrestle with God and creativity in a different way of like, okay, am I waking up in the middle of the night and wanting to do this? Yeah. Am I, yeah. you know, was another one that has really inspired me um, and helped me kind of say, okay, we can, we can do this. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. Last question, uh, which hymn or song would you like to have sung at your funeral? I think, I, I'll go back to that first question that you asked. Tu Fidelidad es Grande was one that um, I heard my parents sing. I heard different community members sing that sing. And just the idea of people, as my life is, is done or, or gone, the idea of people still singing that God's faithfulness mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. There's that idea of, of hopefulness. And of course, you know, every culture has a different understanding of, you know, burials and, and funeral rites and all of that. My mom actually says and reminds me quite often that she would like to have a mariachi in <laughs> 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 <And> her funeral. <laughs> so I don't think I, I would do mariachi, um, <laughs> but uh, having that, that song, and it's much it's a much slower song, but um, to be able to have people to sing of God's faithfulness, mm, yeah. I think is one um, that I think yeah, I, I I love that idea of being able to say, no matter what or how I pass, um, that God is still faithful, that yeah. God is still great, yeah. um, um, I think is, is one that I, I would want people to, to sing, yeah. Well, Rosa, it has been a joy getting to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Voices United, a Congregational Song Podcast, is produced by Benjamin Brody with support from the Hymn Society in the United States and Canada and Whitworth University. 
Special thanks to the Center for Congregational Song for publicity and technical expertise, and Whitworth University student Jason Schilling for editing and production. 